The Lord spoke to me this week, and he said, I said, Lord, I was asking the Lord what he wanted me to speak on. And the Lord said, tonight, I, he said, I want you to speak on faith. And I said, Lord, I mean, this is a faith church that I'm going to. This is not some church that just, you know, uses their faith once in a while. This is a church that, that operates in faith, that knows and understands faith. And I, I believe the Lord told, told me, and he re, uh, emphasized it again on the way here tonight as I was in the car, that if you're going to be able to do what God's called you to do in the next 10 years, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to stay at the same level of faith, but that you're going to have to go from faith to faith and from victory to victory and from glory to glory. Come on now. And from strength to strength. And that means that we're not just talking about the church leadership, the church pastors, but you, God has assignments on your life. Now, if you're born again and you don't know what assignment is on your life, if I were you, that would be the first thing I would uh, uh, get alone with God and I'd begin to pray and ask the Lord, maybe go and talk with my pastor and the leadership of the church and ask the Lord, you know, what assignment is on my life? What am I, what am I here to do? What, I, what, what can I do to make a difference? How many want to make a difference? Like I said this morning, you don't want to just, you know, have somebody visit your grave and they say, here's, you know, Nancy Knees and she came and she lived and she died and that's it. No, you want to be able to have made an impact. You want to know that, you know, that you've done something. If you look at my Facebook, you'll find out in, in all the captions and all the things we do, we, we put making it count. Why? Because we want to make the money that we raise, the, 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 the faith that we have, the energy that we put forward, the work that we do, we want it to count. We want it to count not just for time right now, but we want it to count for eternity. Amen? And so we, we mix our faith in there. We stir our faith in there. And so... Uh, I just believe that the Lord would just have us, and maybe this will be like kind of a, a checkup in your life to just see if there's any areas you're, you're, you're weak in, in the faith, and then you can just kind of, you know, check that up and kind of straighten up the walls and, and, and redo some renovation, if you will, spiritually, so that you can be strong in faith in every area of your life. Somebody say amen. Because we know that without faith, it is impossible Impossible. That's the first message my, my son preached when he was six years old in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Got up on a chair and said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I think he had something other than uh, faith on his mind. I think he had ice cream on his mind. But that's all right. Praise God. But I, from Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8, we see the story. It said he spoke to him in a, uh, at, at a parable to them saying, man ought always to pray and not lose heart, saying that there was a certain, uh, a certain judge in a city who did not fear God nor regarded man. But there was a widow uh, in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards when he said within himself, though I do not fear nor God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest her continued coming to me, she shall wear me out, or she shall weary me. The Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, shall not God avenge his own elect? How many know God wants to avenge his elect? Who cry day and night to him, though he bears long with them, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Everybody say speedily. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, I want you to understand that, um, you know, as believers, we all have a certain level of faith, and I'm not going to make this a great teaching, but more like a checkup in your life on faith, but we all have a certain level of faith, and, 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 and if you're born again, you have faith that when you leave this earth, you're going to go to be with Jesus in heaven. The sad thing is that's uh, about the level, many Christians, that's about the highest level that most Christians have. They have enough faith to believe that when they die, they're going to go to heaven, but they're not using their faith while they're here on earth. Jesus said, when I come back, am I going to find faith on the earth? I, I, I like to put it this way. Jesus said, when I come back, am I going to find anybody believing me for more than just a ticket to heaven? Come on now. And, and so, yes, we want to get people to heaven. And yes, we want to get people saved. And, of course, that's our, our, our commission. But as believers, we have been given this currency, the currency of heaven called faith, to change things and to make things better and to reach people's lives and to touch people's hearts. And we need to be using our faith. And so, you know, I, I, I like to say this. When I come back next year, am I going to walk in this door and I'm going to see, uh, uh, you know, Capital City Church, are the people still using their faith? Are they accomplishing things with their faith? Are they gaining ground with their faith? Have they seen some miracles with their faith? Have they slayed some devils with their faith? Come on now. And so Jesus said, when I come back, am I going to find faith on the earth? And I, I, I say, you bet your sweet bippy, you're going to, when you look at me, Lord Jesus, I want to be using all the faith I can. I want to get everything I can and do everything I can. I want to make my life count. Everybody say amen. amen. So uh, we know that faith is our, our, our method of pleasing God. Uh, Romans 10 verse 17, we know uh, that with the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we, we understand that. But, but faith really is our method of pleasing God. And uh, it, our faith is our message, not only a method of pleasing God, but it's our method of overcoming. And, and we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word that's in our testimony, by our faith, we overcome. And so our faith pleases God. Our faith is our method of overcoming. I can say 1 John 5, 4, it says this, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So it pleases God. It's our method of overcoming. Then in 1 Peter 1, verse uh, 7 and 9, it says that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. And of course, if you go back to the study, uh, many people read the King James and think that God's trying to uh, communicate with you that your trial is precious like gold. No, your trial is not precious like gold. Your trial is ugly, awful. It's not fun going through trials. Come on now. But it's your faith in the midst of trials that's more precious than gold. Come on now. You know, I've heard Christians get up and say, well, I was in the hospital and I was almost dead, but it was precious. No, it wasn't precious. Yeah, it wasn't precious because if it was so precious, why were you praying to get out of the hospital? No, you, your faith in the midst of the storm was what's precious. Hallelujah. And so our faith pleases God. Our meth faith is our, over our method of overcoming. Our faith is more precious than gold. So when you hear somebody say, well, I don't want to hear anything more about that faith stuff. What they're really saying is, I don't want to please God. What they're really saying is, I don't want to overcome. Come on now, that's, that's, that's pretty serious. 
In other words, what they're saying is, I just want to be uh, church-going, bunkin, accomplishing nothing, just surviving through life by the skin of my teeth, and when I die, I get to heaven. But that's not how God intended us to live. He intended us to go from faith to faith and from victory to victory. Somebody say amen. Faith is what makes every method of operation in our life, of a revelation in our life, active. Let me say that again. Faith is what makes every revelation in our life operative in our life. Are you with me right now? So it says, for unto them, Hebrews 4, verse 12, for unto them the gospel was preached unto them as well as unto them. It was preached to us, it was preached to them. But the word preached did not profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. So you can hear the teaching of faith and you can go out of the room, you can go out of the sanctuary tonight and still have no faith. But you've got to take what you hear here tonight and you've got to mix it in with your situation. Get it stirred in. Come on now. Get it stirred into your life's events. Get it stirred into your job. Get faith stirred into your family situation. Get faith stirred into your finances. Come on now. And it's uh, your faith that is stirred in that becomes profitable and makes changes in your life situation. Somebody say yes. And then uh, faith is your great promise and reward. This is just introductory, but it's a great promise and reward. The Bible says, don't cast away your faith. For it has great promise of reward. Cast not away your confidence. Now, if you read that whole chapter, every, everywhere it says confidence, you could just change. In Hebrews chapter 10, you could change the word confidence for faith. Don't throw away your faith. Don't throw away your confidence. For it has great promise of reward. That's Hebrews 10 verse 35. So I say it like this. You got $25 in your pocket and you want to go buy a television and you go to the store, I don't know what you got around here, you go to, let's see, I don't know what you got here, you go Best Buy, there you go. You go to Best Buy, and you slap $25 on the counter, and you say, I want to buy a TV, and they say, fat chance baby, right? Because you don't have enough money. Now, what do you do with that, you know, that $25? A 20 and a 5, you got that, do you take that 25, just scrumple it up, throw it on the ground, and say, that's stupid money, it doesn't work. No, I've never seen anybody do that. I've never seen anybody go to the store and find out they didn't have enough money to buy something. I've never seen them take the little bit they have and throw it on the ground and start cursing what they had. They're going to take what they have, they're going to add to it until they have enough money to get their $299 television that they want. Come on now. So don't cast away your faith. If you don't have enough faith, grow your faith. Enlarge your faith. Increase your faith. But for God's sake, for your sake, for the church's sake, for your family's sake, for the people around you's sake, don't throw away your faith. Because your faith has great promise of reward. So you don't have enough now. That's no big crime. Just keep working at it. Keep allowing it to grow. Keep allowing it to develop. And your faith will amass a, a greater wealth and greater uh, amount. And you'll have enough. Hallelujah. So it's no big deal saying, well, you know, I don't have enough yet. Just keep adding. And so the disciples came to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, increase our faith. Right? I think that's, uh, you know, it's in the Bible there. They came to Jesus. I'm just thinking it's, I think it's uh, Luke 17. They came to Jesus, I think, and they said, yeah, Luke 17. said, increase our faith. 
And many of us, you know, Baptocostal charismaniacs, you would think that Jesus just had a big prayer line and just laid hands on all those apostles and said, zippity bippity boppity boo. And they all, you know, just came out like super faith people, super faith heroes. But Jesus never did that. He never had a prayer line for people who didn't have faith. He didn't lay hands on them and say, Lord, increase the faith. He didn't call upon heaven and say, multiply the faith. When they came and said, Lord, increase our faith, Jesus heard them and he began to teach. Hello? And so the teaching and preaching of the word is very important. So I want to just show you a few ways tonight that you can increase your faith. And if your faith is not increasing, maybe there's one or two areas in your life that you're not doing, that you can start doing, that will increase you. How many want more faith? How many accomplish more than you accomplished last year? How many know just to survive, we're going to need more faith than we had last year? Let alone taking continents and taking nations and taking cities just to survive, we're going to have to have more faith. And so we need to increase our faith. And so the first way, and of course this is a platitude to many of us, churches, many churches have lived and died on, on this scripture. And I would say some of them even died on it. Uh, but, but the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I say that not because that scripture is not true, but if you just all you do is hear the word of God and you don't do anything with the word you got, uh, your faith's not going to work very well either. But how many know we have to hear and hear and hear and hear? And I said, invariably, you know, maybe one of you were here tonight say, oh, he's preaching on faith. Well, don't get discouraged. Faith is going to help you. Faith is going to get you stronger. Faith is going to put more money in your pocket, hallelujah. Faith is going to put more anointing in your hands. Faith is going to put more confidence in your, in your life. Faith is going to help uh, dissolve inferiority, insecurity, insufficiency. Come on now. And so faith works. And so faith comes by hearing. It comes and it comes and it comes and it comes. And it comes by hearing. Now, some Christians, how many have been saved for more than 10 years? Put up your hand. Many of us. Some people have saved a long time. If you're not careful, and God, uh, I pray that you'll correct yourself the moment your flesh starts doing this. But when you sit in the service and say, oh, no, he's preaching on that. You know what? You need an attitude change. Because you need every part of the word of God to become strong in faith. And uh, just like you need, my wife pulls out all those vitamins every morning. Some of them taste good. I can chew them, and they're like candy. I remember those Fred Flintstone vitamins. Remember those? She doesn't give me them anymore, but she gives me some, some that are chewable. And the other ones that aren't chewable, I just grin and bear it and swallow it down. Come on now. And so you have to, you know, we have to have the same principles. I, I, I know a couple of pilots, and the pilots will tell you that once a year, they have to take a test. And you say, well, what are they tested on? New technology? Are they tested on, you know, new technique? No. They're tested on the same things they learned 20 years ago. They're tested the exact same things, and repetition is what keeps that, that teaching active in their life. And so they are required, if you're going to fly, you have to take an aviation test at least once a year. Some people that fly commercial jets and with all kinds of people every six months. 
And their test is not on new information. Their test is on the same old, same old. Because 90% of plane incidents, accidents, and plane crashes are due, 90%, 9 out of 10, are due to human error. Are you with me right now? And so you, you, you understand that if it's due to human error and not mechanical error, then you understand that we have to keep people's minds sharp. We have to make sure that people understand how the principles of flying a plane. And so every year they have to do that again and again and again. And you should not be weary in well-doing. But you just understand that I need to keep sharp in these areas. You don't want to be dull. Come on now. Amen. So uh, uh, a friend of mine, he's a skier. And he's a pretty good skier, and he, he was skiing, and he decided he wanted to take a professional skiing course. So he joined the professional skiing course, and after two sessions, he went to the coach and he said, man, this is no professional skiing course. All I'm doing is learning the same things I learned before. And the coach looked at him and says, you're learning the same things you learned before, but you're learning how to do them better. Come on now. And so we keep on doing it. How many had chicken the last week? Come on, you ate chicken. How many ate chicken the last month or so? Come on, put up your hand. How many have your favorite chicken dish? You know, you got chicken, you know, you got Kentucky Fried Chicken and Christian Chicken, that's Swiss Chalet, and you got St. Harbert Chicken. We had that last night. And you got all kinds of chicken. You got fried chicken and, and uh, jerk chicken and, you know, curried fried chicken and upside down chicken. And we got all kinds of chicken. How many have a favorite chicken dish? There's a favorite dish you like the best, a chicken, fried chicken. My favorite chicken dish is curry. I love the way my wife makes great chicken curry. It's awesome. And it's nice and spicy and hot. And I hate it when she makes it when there's company because she always has to make it mild. I say, honey, don't make it for the company. Make it when it's just me so it can be nice and hot. And how many notice, if you've had the same uh, uh, chicken before, how many notice when the menu's not exact, when it's just not right? (laughs) We, We brought a new daughter into our life. The last year she married Zach and she said one thing about our family is after we eat, we all, we all critique the meal. She said to my wife, she says, I don't know how you do that. But every meal, we, we go, that was really good or that was really not as good. And I, I, well, you're missing a comedian. And we put my, our wife, my wife in, into a quiz and maybe it's not the right thing to do. But we know it when it's not the exact right recipe. One time she got, a, she got this idea, she's going to put peanut butter in the curry chicken. And I was like, I, my stomach is yearning for curry chicken. And here she is. And we sit down and it don't smell like curry chicken. And we look on the plate and it don't look like pe- pe- uh, curry chicken. And I started to eat it and it didn't taste like curry chicken. And I was so upset that it wasn't curry chicken. It was curry peanut butter. And you know when it's not the exact. Listen, if you've eaten chicken in the last month, how many, how many plan on sometime, how many would be honest and say sometime in the next couple of weeks you'll eat chicken again? Why? You already had chicken. What's wrong with you? No, you eat chicken and it goes in your body and produces energy. Come on now. 
And it produces energy, it produces power, it produces strength. And when that chicken's gone, you got to go back to the trough and eat some more chicken. <laughs> Come on now. Some of you wonder why you're weak spiritually. You haven't been eating your chicken. Come on now, you're listening to me. And so don't get upset when, you know, the pastor gets up and teaches something that you've, you know, you've heard before. Take it again. Let it go into your spirit. Let it produce spiritual energy. But when that spiritual energy is gone, you're going to need some more chicken. <laughs> Let's turn to somebody and tell them, eat some chicken. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's a platitude. Some churches have, uh, have uh, built, you know, doctrines on that scripture, but that's not the only way you increase your faith. Faith does come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And we could take it a step further and say, if you want to really break down that scripture, faith comes by hearing and understanding the word of God. It's not just talk about noise going in one ear and out the other, but it's talking about the stuff that you, you receive into yourself and you take heed to it and you meditate upon it. Hallelujah. And you let it go from not just in the ear and out the other ear, but you let it get into your ear, into your mind. You let it get down into your spirit. It produces spiritual energy. And when your spiritual energy is gone, you got to eat some more chicken. Hallelujah. That's just the way it is. So don't forget, you got to eat your chicken. You know, if people would open their Bibles and pray as much as they eat chicken, we'd, we'd have a pretty good, strong church. We, our people eat a lot of chicken during the week. Come on. Hallelujah. So faith comes by hearing. Number two, faith begins in the knowledge of the word of God. Faith begins in the knowledge of the word of God. Faith begins in the knowledge of the word of God. First John 5, 14 and 15. It says this, and this is the confidence uh, it says this is confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so if you want to have faith, you've got to know what the word, the will of God is, right? You can't have faith for healing if you don't know Jesus heals. You can't have faith to be baptized in the Holy Spirit unless somebody taught you or you read in the Bible that you, it's your God-given gift to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does Acts 2 say? It says, repent, be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the, the, uh, 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 of the Holy Ghost. And this promises to you, and your children, and to many are far off, even as men as the Lord, God shall call. Well, he's still saving people. People are still getting baptized. That means it's still, the Holy Spirit's still being poured out. Amen? And so it's your God-given gift to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you didn't know it, you can't have it. So I was uh, preaching uh, on faith out in uh, Lloyd Minister in Jonathan Bounds Church. Yep. I go there about once a year. Their church is uh, uh, right in Lloyd Minister. It's Lloyd Minister Saskatchewan, Lloyd Minister Alberta, just right down the middle. It's uh, half on one side, half on the other. And I was preaching there, and there's a, there's a restaurant in that town called Spiros. And Spiros is a, is a Greek restaurant. And it turns out that the husband and wife come to the church, and it's the biggest, it would be the biggest and most successful restaurant in the whole city. Why not? Christians should excel. Amen? And so uh, Spiro was telling me a story when he, the first time he came over to Canada. 
He was just a little boy. And they got a very uh, cheap room in the boat. And a couple, two, two months, I think he said, nine-week trip across the ocean. And a long time. And he said he'd run around the boat and he'd see cookie trays out. They'd bring these cookie carts. And they'd bring them around the pool and they'd bring them around places. And uh, he would try his best to steal as many cookies as he could. And so every day in the morning in between breakfast and lunch, he'd see that, follow that cookie tray and try to get as many cookies as he could. And in the afternoon, he'd follow that. And they just had a big game of trying to steal as many cookies as they could. And that happened for about six days until the person who attended the uh, cookie tray caught, caught him and said, you do know that these cookies are free, don't you? The cookies come with the ticket. Come on now. There's a lot of things that we haven't appropriated into our life because we don't understand that the cookies come with the ticket. If you're a believer, hallelujah, if you've been drafted into God's army, if you're part of the kingdom of God, if you're a son, a daughter of the Lord God Almighty, hallelujah, joined heir with Jesus Christ, there are some perks, there are some benefits, there are some blessings, and maybe you don't know them all. That's why you need to read your Bible, pray every day, hallelujah, and you'll get stronger, and you'll become uh, more apt uh, to work in your faith. Faith begins in the knowledge of the Word of God. Come on. What a joy it is when you're pastoring a church and you see people uh, that come in. Uh, one of my friends, uh, pastors in Medicine Hat, uh, Alberta, his name is Gary uh, Mason, and uh, Gary's had a, he took over a church. Uh, the building was uh, 22,000 uh, square feet, and he got a beautiful building with no congregation. The congregation had been scattered before he came. And so he took over the church. He took over the church building. He took over the church mortgage. And he just believed God that was going to build the church back. And a few years later, he's running about 250, 300 people now. But, but uh, just recently, last couple of years, uh, a bunch of Mennonites have come in. And it's such a joy to preach to them. Because every time you tell them something, they go, oh, I didn't know. You can see them talking to each other. You know that? You know that? And they're just so excited about what they can have and what they can do and what, what God can do through their life. And, you know, the first time uh, that they understood that they could have healing in their life, that they didn't have to stay sick, he said they laughed for hours. They said, we've been sick all this time, and we didn't know it. And now the Bible says that we can be healed because of the blood of Jesus that was spilt upon the cross of Calvary. And they're so excited. They're such wonderful people to preach to. I love going out. And if I see all those miserable, old, stale, crusty Christians looking at me, I just turn my face away from them. And I look at those good, new uh, Mennonite uh, people that are just coming into the kingdom of God, and I preach over to them. And they just get so excited, and they're just talking back and forth, and and and, and it's so exciting. They'll come after and say, "We didn't know that. I learned a bunch of things today." I said, "What'd you learn?" They keep going, going on for half an hour, and you think, "Wow, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The things that have been given to us. Faith begins. Faith comes by hearing, but faith begins in the knowledge of the Word of God. And so, if you have an area in your life," where you're hurting or you're missing, 
Why don't you get in the Word and study it? You got a financial problem. Why don't you just get, you know, a concordance? You don't have to go very far. Just go on your computer and look up, a, look, uh, look up what God has to say on money. If you got a healing problem, you got sickness in your body, why don't you look up some healing scriptures and, 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 and become strong in the Lord in those healing scriptures? If you've got a problem, you don't have peace in your home. Why don't you look up the word peace, peace and just study it thoroughly from Genesis to Revelation and claim that upon your family. My family shall be filled with peace and will joyfully go out and will joyfully come back in. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you with me right now? And so faith begins in a knowledge of the Word of God. And so if you're struggling in an area and you don't have strong faith in that area, your faith will grow as you begin to understand what the Word of God says about that specific area. I wrote a book called Strength years ago, and uh, it's sold out. We've got to get some more copies. It's gone to the printers about 15 times. But um, the whole idea of writing a book on strength was simple. I didn't sit down to write a book. I had a problem in my stomach. I had ulcers. I had a bad attitude towards the ministry. I was struggling financially, and I knew God's word had the answer. And so I said, well, God, what do I study? Do I study finances, or do I study having a good attitude, or do I study, you know, being healed? And so I picked the word strength because I felt that it covered all three. And I looked up all the scriptures in the word of God from strength, and I found out some juicy scriptures there that God said he would multiply my strength. Like all the hubcaps, I started getting silly. I said, God, if your word says you'll multiply my strength, then I want you to multiply my strength times all the hubcaps and all the cars around the world. You want to multiply my strength, Lord God? You said uh, young lions do, uh, are weak and, and they lack, but the people who know their God lack no good thing. And then you said you give strength to the weary. And then in one place he says he multiplies our strength. I said, God, if you want to multiply my strength, multiply it times all the leaves and all the trees around the world. And you say, that's really crazy. Yeah, it was crazy, but it helped me. And I got a little stronger, hallelujah. And I overcame those problems, praise God. And the Bible has an answer for every situation. So if you're in need and, you, and you're just not sure what the Word of God says, why don't, you don't have to wait till the pastor preaches on it. Don't be so, you know, lazy. Get into the Word of God. You got a computer, you got a phone. You got to, if you don't have one, go down to the library and get a, a concordance and start looking up all the scriptures. That's how I started off. I had a big concordance about this thick, big enough to choke a mule. I mean, this thick and that one. And I put it on my desk and I would go day after day after day through, isn't that true? Through all the scriptures on strength until I had read every scripture and categorized them and then formulated it into a prayer and thank God that he was going to take my weakness and he was going to multiply the little strength that I had and it was going to give me more strength because faith begins, it comes by hearing, but it begins when you have a knowledge that you can have it. And so that's where I found faith comes by hearing, number one. Faith begins in the knowledge of the Word of God. Number three, it says faith develops as you practice it. You say, well, how do you practice faith, you know? Well, you know, um, 
I can explain it to you like this. I've learned over the years that when God tells me to give, I'm very quick to give. And I found out that God always, always, always blesses me in my giving. But when I first started out, I didn't know it to be true, to be honest with you. I didn't know that God was going to bless me. I didn't know that, that he was going to be true to his word. And I had to, I had to test him, if you will. I had, to, I had to try to see whether he would be on his word. And I got to tell you something. I found out that God's been very faithful to his promises. And so little by little, I'd give away money and I'd ask God, I'd ask God to bring a harvest back in. And I found out that every time I gave, that little by little, it didn't always come the next day, didn't always come the next week. But when I needed it, God always provided. And so I learned that when God tells me to give, I want to be quick to give so I can get the harvest. You know, and one of the big uh, evangelists' uh, message, I'm not going to tell you who it was, who it is, but there's one evangelist I go and visit all the time. And every time I go into that, uh, those camp meetings, I always, always uh, decide that I'm going to sow my biggest seed because I believe in souls and I, I, I don't just believe in myself. I've got to believe in other people. And so I, challenge, I say to Sharon, we're going to sow this much seed and we're going to give it away and we're going to believe God. And you know, there's not been one time that I've been in those services where I haven't walked out with two or three or four times more money than what I sowed. And I'm not talking about 50s and 100s. But God has turned around and blessed me. I don't say it's going to work that way for you, but God has taught me. And so when I learn, and I've learned that when my bank accounts are low, I'll tell you something. We used to say when our ministry account or our personal bank accounts are low, that's the time to pull out the checkbook. Well, we don't pull out our checkbooks anymore, but that's the time to start e-transferring uh, money into other ministries. Get that, 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 that offering out so that we can get the, the, the harvest back in. I know it works. I believe it works. I know it works, and I've proven it. And so faith is developed. Faith comes by hearing. Faith begins with the knowledge of the Word of God. Faith is developed. As you practice it, and if your faith isn't developed in an area, it's probably because you haven't practiced it enough. For somebody said, "Well, uh, I, I, you know, I know a guy. He he uh, was starting to get faith to pray for the sick, and I said, "Well, okay, why don't you pray for that rabbit?" And of course, that rabbit died, and so he didn't have much faith. I said, "Well, you just keep on praying. Sooner or later, your faith is going to connect." And so after a little while, he started realizing that little by little, he was getting stronger in the faith. His pray prayers were working. You don't just quit. You don't throw away your confidence. You, if God's word says you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, pray until they recover. If you have 10 failures, keep on praying until you get a success. Then the next time, don't go with the memory of the 10 failures. Go with the memory of the success you had. And go with confidence and say, he did it last time. He's going to do it again, praise God. But my faith is developed as I practice it. That's why, you know, as a little boy, I never had problems tithing. My dad taught me that I had to tithe. If I got my first allowance, it was 35 cents. I could buy a 16-ounce bottle of Coke, a chunky chocolate bar, and a bag of chips for 35 cents, for 30 cents. And the other five cents, my dad said, I said, it's only three and a half cents, Dad. He says, no, you got to give five. 
And so three and a half, and then a penny and a half offering, and I put that in the offering, and I trust God that he'd bless my bank account. Come on now. And I've learned as a little boy to tithe and honor God. So it's never been an issue. I've never had a problem with tithing. As a pastor, I never had a problem taking up the tithes and offerings, receiving them for God. Why? Because I believe that as I tithe, as I give, the Lord's going to bless me. He's going to honor me. And so if I believe it and I practice it and the church practices practices, why would I have a problem teaching the congregation? Because I know that if I can teach them that, they're going to move from poverty into blessing. Come on, how many want to move into blessing? Hallelujah. How many could stand for a little bit more blessing? Hallelujah. Faith is developed where you practice it. And if you don't practice it, you won't have your faith develop. Everybody say faith comes. Faith begins. Faith develops as you practice it. Hallelujah. And then fourthly, I want you to understand that, and I'm just trying to, this is kind of a check, check thing. Faith is strengthened as you praise God in advance. It's strengthened as you praise God in advance. You say, why are you, why are you doing this? Because God told me to. How many are learning some things or being refreshed in some things? Faith, how many the washing, the washing, of the, maybe you've heard all this stuff, but it's the washing of the water by the word that's just sweeping over you and being refreshed in some things you've learned before, things you already knew, but you need to be reminded. Faith strengthens as you praise the Lord in advance. What does the Bible say regarding Abraham? It said he considered not, he staggered not, and he was fully persuaded. You know, he, he considered not his own, what? He was promised that he'd have an heir that would be as big as the stars of the sea, the sands of the earth, of the beach, and that he'd be blessed and it hadn't happened. But the Bible says regarding Abraham, he considered not, he considered not his own body nor the, his own wife's body. He considered not, he staggered not, and he was fully persuaded and being strong in faith, he gave God the glory. Hallelujah. Some of you that have been believing God for things, God gave you that vision. God gave you that dream. And maybe it's been pushed to the side. Maybe you've given up on it. Maybe you've thought, well, maybe it, it wasn't God. But God will right now remind you the things he spoke to you. If he's given you a dream, if he's given you a promise, you've got to be strong in faith and start thanking the Lord. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know at what moment. Praise God. But I know this, that you promised. And I know that as I worship you and praise you and thank you, that you're going to bless those who are thankful, hallelujah. And I have a thankful heart for all you've done before. And I got a thankful heart for all you're going to do. I praise you. You know, if God's going to bless somebody, is he going to bless somebody who's always complaining? Or is he going to bless somebody who has a thankful heart? Come on, if I got kids and one kid, I got twin, twin kids, and if one, one twin daughter is complaining, the other one's, you know, always thankful, I'll tell you something, I love them both the same, but I'm going to bless the one that's thankful. Come on now. Fortunately, fortunately, they we're both thankful, so they both got blessings. But, I, but I'll tell you something. God blesses those who have a thankful heart. And there's some things that God's given you and perhaps maybe some dreams God's given you. And perhaps they maybe haven't taken place yet because you forgot to be strong in faith and give God the glory. Hallelujah. I remember years ago, uh, we were believing God for a, 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 a bigger vehicle. We had a car. And we're believing God for uh, an SUV back late years ago. We're believing God. We took out an envoy. 
that's the kind of middle size that we're talking back in, you know, a long time ago in the, in the early 2000s. And we just thought, man, that was the best vehicle. And we just put it down on a list and we put down that we needed a, a big trailer. And uh, one day uh, somebody came up to me and said, we're going to buy you a trailer. And I said, well, praise God. And they said, what do you want? And, and I said, well, whatever, whatever I can get, you know. And they said, they said, well, how big do you want? I said, well, you know, uh, whatever we can afford. And uh, they said, do you want it to have, you know, one door, two doors? Do you want to drive into it or do you want it to, you know. And, and, the, and the person said, well, you know, if you're not going to be specific, you're just going to get something really small and maybe not going to help. So I started saying, well, if money's no object, I'd like it to be black. I'd like to have have that, you know, pointy part at the front to save gas mileage. I wanted to have the, the ramp that you can drive uh, things into. And, uh, and the person said, oh, that's great. And they went away, and about four days later, called me back and said, your trailer's ready over that trailer shop down there, and you go pick it up. It's already paid for. I said, well, praise God, but I got nothing to pick it up. So we picked Believe God for our car. Well, God didn't give us a small envoy. He gave us a big Suburban. Are you with me right now? I look back at some of the prayer requests that I had on paper. God went exceedingly, abundantly above all I could ask or think. In fact, even in our ministry, who in the world would thought that this little snot-nosed boy from Hamilton, that's what I was, a little snot-nosed, dirty-kneed boy from Hamilton who would go early in the morning out in the, you know, during the summertime, go early in the morning, leave home about 9.15, go out and play in the woods all day, come back about 4.30 for dinner, and then go out again and come back when the street lights came on and just, uh, just a little snot-nosed boy who believed God would bless me with such a harvest of souls and so many things that I've been able to do, we've been able to do because of his grace, but I believe it's because we thank God and we praise God and we never despise the day of small beginnings, hallelujah, which said, thank you, Lord God, you gave us this little vehicle. It's not all we want. It's not everything we're going to get, but praise God, we got started now. Hallelujah. We're going to use that, and then when that wears out, we know you're going to bless us with more, hallelujah, and when the truck wears out, we're going to get a bigger one, hallelujah, and this wears out, and if we're faithful and little, God's going to make us rule over more. Hallelujah, and God blesses those who have an attitude of a thankful heart. Amen. So faith strengthens. Everybody say faith strengthens. So we got like faith comes and, and faith begins and faith develops and faith strengthens as we praise God in advance. Never forget uh, this uh, one person down at Bible college at conference time at the Bible college we went to. This person, I wasn't really a word faith Bible college. It was just a Pentecostal Bible college. But this person would get up at conference and interrupt the whole service and say, Pastor, I just want to thank God. They, you know, they were in a wheelchair, but they, you know, get up, get up as tall as they could in their wheelchair and say, I just want to thank God that two years ago I was healed of paralysis. Two years ago, right here in this sanctuary, I thank God that I was healed. And here they're on their wheelchair and everybody's looking and saying, yeah, still in the wheelchair, that person's nuts. And they did about three or four years and then I remember going one year, and I was back at that. I was just a little boy, teenage boy. 
And I was in that, that conference and the person was up on their feet and they're saying, I thank God that six years ago I got healed. The manifestation didn't come for three and a half years, but bless God, I'm walking now, hallelujah. And I thank God he's my healer, hallelujah. Come on now. Faith strengthens as you praise God in advance, hallelujah. Are you with me right now? So everybody say faith comes, faith begins, faith develops, faith grows. Do you believe it? Faith grows as you plant God's word in your spirit. Faith grows as you plant God's word in your spirit. What does that mean? Well, I, 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 I think uh, what it means is simply this, is that you need to learn, we need to learn to continue to confess what we want, what we're believing God for out of our mouth out of our believer so that it can come back into our ears and get back down into our spirit again because I believe every time it cycles in our, in, our, in our life, every time we cycle it, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so somebody said, well, I don't want to confess if I don't have it. That's a lie. I heard one person say, well, that's a lie. I don't want to say I'm healed if I'm not. That's a lie. Well, then you're calling God a liar because he said by his stripes, you were healed. So he says you're already healed, but you're not. But you are already healed, but you just don't have the manifestation yet. And so faith uh, develops and faith is strengthened and faith, faith grows as, as we plant. Faith grows as we plant God's word in our spirit. Can I tell you something? I could stand over you and give you a prophecy. Zippity, bippity, boopity, bop. And I could tell you this and I could tell you that. And you'd say, well, Mark's a, a nice guy. He's, he's, he's okay. And he's mostly, you know, he, he preaches the word of God. And, and, and we like him. And so you could say, well, I believe that. But can I tell you something? The person you believe the most is you. You are the prophet of your own destiny. And you could have some great prophets come by here. And can I say this? Some of you have already had great prophetic words over your life. And yet you're not yet walking in the prophetic words that you were given. Does that mean those prophetic words weren't true? No. It just means you haven't arrived yet. Or that means that you're not yet walking in your destiny. But when you can stand in front of the mirror, that's why this book on confession is so important. Because when you stand in the mirror and you start confessing what God's word says over your life, your flesh cringes. And your spirit man gets excited. And it doesn't feel pleasant. When you look in the mirror and you say, you're a child of the living God, and your flesh says, and your brain says, doesn't feel like it. Don't look like it. While you look in the mirror and you start, you know, when you know you're getting old, when you look in the mirror and you see your dad. <laughs> And everything starts bagging, sagging, and dragging. You know? And you start confessing, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. And you start thinking, that was yesterday. Come on now. But as you stand in front of the mirror and you confess over your life, I'll tell you something. There's a place where the flesh gets put down and the spirit man rises up, hallelujah, and faith grows, grows as you Plant God's word in your spirit. Right. And there comes a time, yes, thank God for the preaching of the word. We need it. 
and we need to availify ourselves to the preaching of the word and get into the church and get under the word of God and get into the Bible studies and get into the services. And yes, we should listen to cassette tapes and, and online teaching when we can and every time we can. But some of you have forgotten the art of just looking in the mirror and speaking over yourself and telling yourself how it's going to be. Some of you did that tonight. Your flesh said, let's stay home. Come on, don't, don't wait, but you know what I'm, I'm talking about. Your flesh said, it'd be nice to stay home. You're tired. Stay home. You can watch TV. You can just relax. Stay home. But your spirit man said yes, and your head goes, no. Yes, no. Yeah. Do you, anybody have those arguments? Do, do, do you have those kind of arguments? If you don't have that kind of argument, I'm going to question whether you're even saved. You're either, you're either not saved or you're so spiritual you don't have any problems with the flesh. But even Jesus had some problems with the flesh. He prayed in the garden of Eden, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want it. My flesh does not want to do this. I do not want to go to the cross. Nevertheless, thy will be done. So there's times in our life when we look in the mirror and our flesh is saying, no. And the Spirit's saying yes, and the flesh is going, no, oh, it's like offering time tonight. The, the Spirit was saying give, and your head was going, no. You got to buy another bathing suit. You got to buy, buy some more flippers. You got you to get some more popcorn for when you're watching TV. And your flesh has all kinds of arguments, stupid arguments. Come on now. As to why you can't give. And your, and your spirit man saying, give and I'll bless it and multiply it. I'll cause it to make a harvest in the countries that Brother Mark and Sharon are, are working in. And I'll cause it to make a harvest and bring in souls and add a, abundance to your harvest in heaven. And not only that, I'll return the money back to you. And it's a good deal. You can't lose for, uh, for winning. I mean, you can't go under for going over because you're a child of the living God. Hallelujah. And the spirit says, give. And your head goes, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, no, yes, no. Come on now. And if it happens to you, imagine what happens to somebody sitting in the service. They don't know Jesus. And somebody gets healed and somebody falls over the power of God. And then all of a sudden they start feeling convicted. And they've never felt convicted before. And their spirit's going, yes. And their head's going, oh. <laughs> and so they get up and start stomping out of the church. It's because they don't know, what they, they've never been under that before but we're children of the living God. And we have a war in our body. The spirit, the flesh wars against the spirit. But praise God, we're learning, we're learning, we're learning. We're learning to allow faith to grow in our spirit. And we're learning to let faith, words of faith, be spoken of our life, and we're not just going to wait until the prophet prophesies over us, and we're not just going to wait until the preacher says something nice about us, and we're not just going to wait until somebody comes and puts their arm around us and tells us that we're loved. We're going to look right in the mirror. If nobody ever says anything to us, if no prophet ever prophesies to us, we're going to look in the mirror ourselves and be mature in the Lord, and we're going to cause the Word of God to come out of our heart and our lips, get out there in the atmosphere into our house, even to the bathroom, the kitchen, wherever you're prophesying, and you're going to let it get back on you. And as you do that process, hallelujah, you start to grow. You could grow without anybody talking over you. Just you talk over yourself. 
So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I had one lady come into my church when I was pastor. We pastored for 17 years. This is our 38th year of ministry, 39th year of ministry, full-time ministry. And uh, one lady came in. She came for a prayer at the altar for healing. And uh, then she made an appointment about four days later. She wanted counseling for healing. And so I let her sit down in the office, and she said, well, I'm not healed yet. And I said, well, woman, why don't you just confess that by Jesus' stripes you're healed? And she said, oh, no, Pastor Mark, I can't do that. That would be a lie. I said, well, you know, the Bible says that you were healed. Is God word a liar? But she couldn't, she couldn't get past that. She said, I just can't say that. I said, you need to confess over your life that by Jesus' stripes you're healed. She said, well, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not going to speak a lie when I'm still sick. And she just couldn't get it. And so two weeks later, she made another appointment. And I said to the secretary, I'm going to give her about half as much time as I gave her last time. Came into my office. I said, she said, I'm not yet healed. I said, well, why don't you confess over yourself? By Jesus' stripes, you're healed. She says, I can't do that because I'm still sick. I said, woman, why don't you just line your words up with the word of God? She said, well, I can't do that because I'm not yet healed. I said, woman, why don't you just confess Jesus has healed you? And I said, just close your eyes right now. We're going to pray a prayer, and then you're going to confess by Jesus' stripes, you're healed. So I prayed a prayer and commanded sickness to go, and I said, now it's your turn. And she said, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed, but I don't believe it. <laughs> you know, I said to her, I said, fine, that's a start. Confess that every day this week. So all week long, she's out, you know, confessing. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed, but I don't believe it. But that was better than her not confessing, that, you know, nothing. The next day, she, week, she came back again. And I told the secretary, I'm going to give her half as much time as I gave her the time before. I said, are you confessing Jesus' stripes, you're healed? I said, let me hear your confession. She goes, but Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. But I don't believe it. I said, why don't you start confessing by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed? Take out that, I don't believe it. She said, but Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I said, now go and confess and let's see. Came back the next week and I said, what's your confession? He goes, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. A couple of weeks later, she came back to the office. I said, what's your confession? She says, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed, and I'm starting to believe it. A couple of weeks later, she comes back, and she goes, I said, what's going on? She said, I just want to come and tell you, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. The sickness is gone. The pain's disappeared. Praise God. Hallelujah. Your faith grows when you plant God's word in your spirit, and you are the best sower of the word in your life, and you are the prophet of your destiny. Speak words over you, hallelujah. When you, count your, you find yourself, hit your, you know, hit the na- hammer, the, na- the hammer, hit your nail with the hammer, don't say stupid. <laughs> don't call yourself stupid. Don't call yourself dumb. If you do, you rebuke yourself. You shouldn't have said that. Okay, I'm sorry. Speak words of blessing over your life. Speak words of blessing over your life. You say, well, I don't know. That's your problem. You don't know. I'm trying to help you. (laughs) Well, I don't think. Well, that's obvious. We can tell you haven't been thinking for years. Start thinking. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. 
This is good old-fashioned word faith preaching, but it needs to be taught again. And we need to get back into our system. I have what he says I can have, and I can do what he says I can do, and I can be what he says I can be, and I can run through a troop, and I can leap over a wall, hallelujah, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I am the head and not the tail, and I am above and not belief, and I am a child of the living God. I've been redeemed from the curse. I have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Zeus, dear son, which is light. I'm a child of the light. Hallelujah. He is the light. Now I am the light. He is the healer. Now I get to lay hands on the sick and become a healer. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. And start getting the word out of your mouth back into your ears until what goes back into your ears. Because you believe what you say. Yeah. And it's been proven. Liars who are lifetime liars get to a point where they believe their lies. It's true. It's been proven. They get to a point where they don't even, it doesn't even register on the lie detector because they've said it so many times. They believe what they said over their life. Well, if it works that way, it can work the God way. Amen? Everybody say faith comes by hearing. Faith begins in knowledge of God's word. Faith develops as we practice it. Faith is strengthened as we praise God in advance. Faith grows as we plant God's word in our spirit. Faith builds as we pray in the spirit. What's the Bible say? What's the saying, James? Building yourself up in the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And the pastor gets up and says, hey, congregation, we're going to do this. And the congregation goes, why? What for? I can tell they haven't been praying the Holy Ghost. Come on now. Have anybody ever got out of your car and your car goes, come on, anybody had a battery like that? That's like some churches on Sunday morning. The pastor's been praying all week. He's charged up. He's got a vision from God. Gets out in front of the congregation. He's preaching faith. He's preaching the victory of God. And the congregation is going. Gee, 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 <laughs> Let's do this. Why? What for? We're too tired. We don't have enough time. After all, we watch 38 hours of TV a week. We don't have time after we do all that watching TV. I go to work and I watch television. I watch television more than I work. I don't have time to do what you want me to do, Pastor. <laughs> Come on now. Get out our Holy Ghost jumper cables, Brother uh, Mike, and just lay hands on some of these dead batteries. Hallelujah. Charge them up. Hallelujah. Come on. Get our jumper cables out and put some spiritual strength into your body so your body, when it's time to go witness, it's time to pray, it's time to believe God, it's time to expand, it's time to build, it's time to launch out, it's time to get bigger campuses. And when we say it, instead of you going, gee, 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 you go, yeah, pastor, let's do it. Come on. But I'm smart enough. I can go into church. I, I can tell where they're at spiritually. But you build yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Anybody just have times when you don't feel like praying in English? 
I get times that I just, I don't even know how to pray, want to pray. And I just, I just say, forget it. I'm just going to bypass my brain because my brain is tired. I'm building myself up in my most holy faith, hallelujah. And I didn't know what I was praying, but the Holy Ghost knew what he was praying through me, hallelujah. And I get stronger, and my battery's getting charged, hallelujah. And I can do everything he called me to do because I'm not a dead, dry, dreary, beat up, wounded, marred, scarred Christian. I'm a child of living God. And my battery's strong. Hallelujah. Woo. Come on. How many need some battery charging? I'll tell you the story and try to wind up. Uh, I was down in, in, in Venezuela, and I was preaching uh, to 40, uh, 25,000 people in the Palladio Stadium in Caracas, Venezuela. And uh, you should never, ever... I might have shared this before, but you should never, ever prophesy over your translator um, if you don't know for sure that he's going to stay standing. Because I prophesied over my translator, Jimmy Burns. And Jimmy Burns went down. We're still in relationship with him. We sow into his ministry down in Venezuela. And he went down on his back and landed on the, mic, the monitor. And he went into a trance. And he's my translator. I said, me no hable espanol. I said, Jimmy, the spirit is subject to the prophet. I'm kicking my foot in front of his face, trying to shake him. Jimmy, the spirit subject to the prophet. Wake up, come on, snap out of it. He's just in a trance, wouldn't come out. Evidently, he was enjoying it too much. <laughs> I had no translator. So I said, me no hable espanol. I didn't know how to speak. I just said, English. I'm asking, somebody come up and translate. And then I remembered uh, my, the person who picked up me at the, at the, at the uh, airport. His name was Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. I said, Jesus, are you here? And he starts waving from the back. I said, hey, Zeus, come on up here. You're going to translate for me. And so I'm here. I'm calling Jesus to translate. Not a bad deal. So I called him up. Hey, Zeus got his muscle tie-dyed shirt on. His hair is down to his back like this. He looks out in the crowd before he says anything. He goes, far out, man. Freak my beak. Flip my lid. And like, I was thinking, man, you're about 10 years too late for that kind of language. I said, you're going to translate. Don't, don't talk. Just translate. Say what I say. <laughs> well, this is what it looks like. I said, shh, just translate for me. And as I went to start preaching again, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on me, and I had a word over him that he had a house that, was, uh, that he was trying to sell, and it hadn't sold for years. I said, is that true? He said, yes. I tell you, the anointing was strong that night. And, uh, and he went, he said, yeah. I said, yes. And I said, that house is going to be sold. And I see TV cameras in that house. And it turned out Paul and Jan Crouch bought that house. And they used it for TV filming in Venezuela. And, uh, and so when he heard that, he was so excited, he started laughing. And he fell on the ground rolling around laughing. Now I got one translator over there uh, that's useless, Jimmy Burns. He's useless. And then I got 
Jesus rolling around on the ground laughing. I'm saying, Jesus, be serious now. Come on. And I think, oh, my goodness, I just rebuked Jesus. And I'm like, me no hable espanol. Hable inglés. 25,000 people, what would you do? I was feeling really weak. My engine was like, and that service was about ready to dive. But I did what any good spirit-filled, Pentecostal word faith, Holy Ghost anointed, spirit-filled Christian would do. I started praying in the most holy faith. And they told me I spoke in Spanish for 45 minutes, calling out words of knowledge and sicknesses and diseases. And I no hablé espanolos. So when you feel weak and you feel like you can't do anything more than groan, anybody been there? You feel so weak you can't groan. Just let the Holy Ghost take over. Come on. Whatever it is, just a stammering lip. Uh, lip. But let that Holy Spirit build you up. Building yourself up in the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Spirit knows what you have need of. And the Spirit knows how to pray for you. Hallelujah. So pray in the Spirit. I don't feel like it, but I got to preach tonight. But it's not by my might. But I don't feel like I have a great word tonight, Lord. I don't feel like anything is going to happen tonight, Lord. Lord, I'm weak in the flesh. Oh, shandarabasur, risabarakete, yesorabandariate. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Building yourself up, building yourself up, building yourself up. I'm convinced most of us don't pray in the Holy Ghost enough. I've been convicted in my own life the last few days that I haven't been praying in the Holy Ghost enough. That if I'm going to accomplish everything that God wants me to accomplish, then I'm going to have to increase my faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's just the angels calling me, confirming that what I'm preaching is good. Hallelujah. Build yourself up. Faith comes. Say, faith comes. Faith begins. Faith develops. Faith is strengthened. Faith grows. Faith builds as you pray in the Holy Spirit. And finally, faith is established as you starve your doubts. Wonderful story. In the Word of God in the book of Luke chapter 8, Matthew chapter 5, same story. Jairus comes to Jesus. He's the ruler of the Jews. Comes to Jesus and says, my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter is dying. Would you heal her? And Jesus turns to Jairus and he says, I'll come and I'll, I'll pray for her. And Jairus is sad, but then when Jesus says, I'm coming to, to do something, he gets happy. Luke chapter 8, Luke, Matthew chapter 5. 
Now Jesus and Jairus are on their way to Jairus' house. They're going to have a miracle. And on the way to Jairus' house, all of a sudden a woman with an issue of blood, blood, breaks into the crowd, touches the hem of Jesus' garment. We don't know how long it took for Jesus to ask the question, who touched me? For him to find out who it was that touched him, to find out, uh, you know, what it was that was happening there. We don't know whether he stopped for two minutes, five minutes, or half an hour. That woman came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And there, Jairus is standing there. His daughter is dying. And he's standing there, not saying a word. He's practicing the language of silence. And the woman with the issue of blood stays there and Jesus deals with her and tells her her faith has made her whole. In the meantime, one of Jairus' servants comes and says to him, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. And I believe that man, he practiced something. He practiced the language of silence. He decided he was going to starve his doubts. Come on now. He wasn't going to feed his fears. He wasn't going to get into doubt and unbelief and start rebuking the woman with the issue of blood, although he had power to rebuke her. He was the head of the synagogue. He didn't get into rebuking Jesus for not moving faster. He just practiced the language of silence. I know that maybe in his spirit everything, every cell in his body was screaming and angry at this woman with the issue of blood, angry with Jesus that he didn't come faster, angry with the the servant who came and gave that bad report, angry with the situations. But he practiced the language of silence. And I believe because he kept his mouth shut, because he didn't let his mouth get into unbelief and doubt, Jesus turned to him and said, don't worry. I said I'm going to come and pray for your daughter. I'm still coming to pray for your daughter. Are you with me right now? Years ago, we used to sell cassette tapes. People would come up to me and say, Brother Mark, do you have a, a, a tape on prosperity? Do you have a tape on healing? And many times, knowing the person, I'd say, yeah, I got tape, but it's not these C- CDs. It's duct tape. Just put it over your mouth and shut up. <laughs> Some of us would just get better if we'd keep our mouth shut. Some of us, our marriages would be better if we just learned how to shut up. Stop nagging. Come on now. Some of our kids would do better if we'd stop prodding them and jerking around with them and just pray for them in quiet and love them. You don't have to condone what they're doing, but just love them anyways. And there's times in our life spiritually when things don't go our way, they don't look good. We need to practice the language of silence so that Jesus can complete what he started. Imagine he turned to Jairus and said, I promised you I'm going. 
Worry not. Don't let your heart be troubled. I said I was going to go, I'm going to go. Hallelujah. Faith, faith is established by starving your doubts. Are you with me now? In the book of 1 Peter, it says this, that you can receive the end of your faith. Do you know faith has an end? That if you walk in faith, that once you get what you're believing God for, then you've ended that conversation. Now you can start another faith project. The Bible says that our faith projects, you can read it first, Peter chapter 1, verse 19. First Peter 1, verse 19, it says, Receiving the end of our faith with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Did you hear me? I said receiving the end of your faith with joy unspeakable. How many want to have some joy unspeakable answers to your prayer? Some joy unspeakable situations in your life. Our marriage is not going back good right now, but somehow by faith, we're going to end, make an end of this despair and we're going to get into a situation where there's joy unspeakable, full of glory. My kids aren't serving the Lord right now, but I'm going to keep my faith confession up. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to be strengthened. I'm going to keep on building my faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and I know I'm going to receive the end of my conversation with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Now let me close with this thought. Thank God for gravity. Everybody thank God for gravity. Otherwise, somebody's false teeth would be flying around the sanctuary right now. Somebody's toupee would be, come on now. Thank God for gravity. Somebody's shoes, he took off your shoes and they're floating around. Dirty hankies. Thank God for gravity, eh? But can I tell you something? The world's gravity is the law of sin and death. That's gravity. There is a law, the Bible says, a law of sin and death. But the Bible also says in Romans, it says, Spirit, the law of the Spirit. Come on now. Romans 8, verse 2. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. So I know that gravity works in my life. And, but in spite of gravity, we know that there are more superior laws. For example, I just flew, you know, 10,000 miles around the world each way over to Pakistan. I flew because somebody discovered the law of thrust and the law of lift. <clears throat> and because they discovered the law of thrust and the law of lift, they overcame the law of gravity. And God has spiritual laws in his word. There's laws of faith. What I taught you tonight is how you can overcome the law of the spirit of sin and death. It's called the law of the spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus. And if you want to have a miracle, you're going to have to use the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set you free from your bondage and free from your debt and free from your sickness and free from your bondage and free from your hurts and free from your pains. And the more you operate in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the more you're going to operate free from the law of sin and death. But let me tell you right now, and this is what we're seeing right now. We see people get up, and they come back down. And they get up, and they come back down. And David, when he was young in the Lord, he said, how do I ascend into the heavens? That was his big question. How do I get into the place where I'm living successful? How do I get into the place where things are going my way? How do I get in a place where I'm being, doing and accomplishing great things for God? But later on in his life, he didn't ask the question, how do I ascend? He asked the question, how do I abide? Instead of going up and coming down and going up and coming down and going up and coming down, can I tell you something? The same laws of faith that get you up are the same laws that will keep you up. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just visit the anointing for a weekend. I just don't want to be a person of faith and power one day a week and the rest of the week be a person of uh, paste and flour instead of faith and power. I want to live and abide in the heavenlies. David, in his young years, he said, how do I get up in the heavenlies? In his older years, he said, how do I abide in the heavenlies? The same thing that gets you up is the same thing that will keep you up. And I believe this church has used a lot of faith to get where you are. And it's miraculous, the stories of this church's survival and this church's success. But let me tell you something, that God still has greater things. Greater things are still in store.